Right. Um, welcome to a Fast Lifts podcast. And this one is going to be the first in a 12-ish part series entitled Fastest Fat Loss. And uh, it's going to chronicle my journey up to a um, very important birthday. <laughs> but uh, I'll get to that in a moment. I wanted to deal with one thing first, just bring something, talk about something. Um, I was looking at my listener statistics on SoundCloud, and I realized it showed me that I have approximately three to four times the amount of listeners over in the US than I do in the UK, which uh, I, it baffled me, honestly. I thought it was really interesting. Um, so thank you for all you American listeners out there. Um, I don't know to what I owe this privilege, but uh, I appreciate your support. <laughs> and, and on that note, while you're here, while you're listening, the podcast has now been out for about two years, I think. I think I started it um, late 2018, so probably more like two and a half years. Um, and if you like it, if you listen to it regularly, then do me a favor. Go and put a positive review over on iTunes, um, on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you normally listen to the podcast. Or yeah, drop drop a you know a few likes and a subscribe on the YouTube channel. The reason that I asked you to do that is not for some weird sort of ego trip. It's so that the more positive reviews that I have, like assuming you like the information, that's why you're reviewing it positively. Um, and that's why you're listening to it and taking the time out to listen to my voice rather than some other drivel, is that you find it useful uh, somehow. And if you do find it useful, by giving it a positive review, a five-star review, you help other people listen to the message as well. So that's why I ask you to do that, because it helps get my message out, uh, get good podcasts out, because there are so many out there. Um, everyone's, everyone seems to be doing a podcast, which is cool. Like, I think everyone should do something, should sort of chronicle something, as in I'm about to start um, today with this little 12-part series. Like, I think it's, it's a good idea. I, I like the concept of content production as a creative outlet. Um, like, when we were younger, we were told to write, you know, write a diary. Essentially, a lot of people kept a diary. Um, and I, I wonder if a lot of those people who've kept a diary when they were younger connected the dots and thought, well, I should maybe produce something when I'm older. Because I, I know um, my elder brother used to write a blog years ago. This was back in sort of early WordPress days. And it was a really entertaining blog, despite his time traveling out in China. And he doesn't do any of that stuff anymore. No technological stuff whatsoever. <laughs> He, he doesn't like any of it, but he, he made for a really entertaining blog. And I, I bet he'd be a good content writer, but sadly, he has no interest in that. So anyway, as I was saying, often a tangent there about family. Um, so yeah, if you do enjoy the podcast, um, put a review somewhere. Yeah. Um, and rather than, I, see, I get a lot of people message me um, like privately saying, you know, I really enjoyed the podcast. And uh, I love that. That's nice. but. The only thing is, I would rather that be put somewhere public so that it encourages other people to listen to the podcast as well, as well as encourage me to carry on doing the podcast. So I love getting the messages. 
Um, but I just wish people would put them online publicly somewhere. Like even if it's a YouTube comment or preferably something like a review on iTunes. I've had one review so far, which is a written review. I've had about six ratings of five star, but I've had one review, which is from um, a guy I know from my hometown, really nice guy, top bloke. And he's supported me since right from the beginning. Uh, and I know he likes the podcast. So thank you, Bash. Appreciate that. But uh, yeah, anyway, moving on. Um, so I wanted to talk today about this little project that I've got going on over the course of the next 12 weeks. So essentially, today, as of today, we're about 12 weeks away from uh, my 40th birthday. So pretty big birthday in the grand scheme of things. You know, you, the, the big 3-0 is a big one, the big 2-0, this is the big 4-0. Um, yeah, so I, I want to do something special. So I want to kind of just get in shape a little bit. So I'm in reasonable condition now, but I want to get in shape. And so that's the goal, is to get lean. I'm thinking like beach lean, not sort of, um, not competition stage lean, but about beach lean. That's my general goal. And uh, I wanted to talk a bit about why. So I, th I think that's important. You know, the whole, it's, very, it's all very cliche now, isn't it? Sort of know your why, like why are you doing this? And I think it's easy to see um, physique, pursuits as a vanity thing um, so it's easy to sort of dismiss um, people who go to the gym as a vanity thing but I think if the pandemic has taught us anything that it's not just a, a vanity thing and I think even the most ardent sort of anti-gym people out there you know the ones who just think that it's all to do with like vanity and, and bulging biceps and mirrors and, and it's non-functional would agree that going to the gym is far more than just a vanity endeavor. Um, firstly, it's for health. I mean, that's one thing, but I'm not really talking about that today. <laughs> sounds, really, sounds really flippant, doesn't it? Like, yeah, I don't, I'm not talking about health today, but it's, it's simply because I'm talking about um, it represents it represents a body of work, I think. It represents the time and effort you put into an endeavor to create a result. That's what it represents. And I think if we were to take a bit of a side tangent, um, well, you could possibly say that your body, your physical body, is an embodiment of that work. Um, and I think if you, there's a potential to say that if you have let yourself go, um, it potentially says something about your attitude towards yourself um, to the rest of the world, which I know, yeah, I know I'm going to get the haze people just like, wanted to hunt me down, uh, obviously, slowly, um, <laughs> running after me slowly. <laughs> I've got to get the haze people just like wanting to put my head on a pike for that. Uh, but it, it's okay. I, I can outrun them, so it's fine. But um, yes, I, I, I understand. I'm, I'm joking, of course. Um, but like, I'm, I'm sympathetic to the haze calls. Like, yes, I get it. You should feel comfortable in your body. Um, the science doesn't back it, though. So I'm comfortable with making some jokes about it because I think by poking fun at it, you can see the ridiculousness of the stance because from a health standpoint, it doesn't really hold water. I think you can sort of get away with ill health for, you can get away with being obese for a while, but eventually it'll catch up on you. So going back to what I was saying, I think the getting in shape and staying in shape represents to the rest of the world that you actually give a crap about yourself and your health. 
And I think that's important. And there's also the, so that internal projection out to the rest of the world that, you know, I can do this. I've got this under control, like my body, something as basic as my health, my body, um, maybe mastery of self. Like I can do this because yeah, I can say to myself, look, you're not going to eat or you're going to stick to a plan for long enough that you can get the body that you, you want. So I think there's a lot to be said for that. Um, because I, I wanted to present that side of the view of the, of the viewpoint, because, um, you know what these days i just speak my mind i don't i care less and less about what people think because you're always going to piss somebody off oh god now this is a x-rated episode because i've sworn you're always going to piss somebody off um you can never really please anyone everyone well and uh, i've I've learned that more and more as i've spent more time on social media putting stuff out there is that you're always going to piss somebody off so i just whereas previously the last maybe three four years um, I avoided talking about this topic just because it was all very much like, yes, health at every size, acceptance of everybody, blah, 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 blah. But, and that's fine. There's plenty. If that's what you're interested in, then great. I mean, you might not like this episode, so you can probably switch off. <laughs> uh, no, don't do that. Listen to it anyway. So listen to my viewpoint so you can actually decide for yourself what, um, what you think about things while having both sides of the coin. So, yeah, I think um, there's plenty of information out there to support Hayes. I would just like to put my point of view, and that's all I want to do. I don't hate people who support Hayes and health at any size. That's that's fine. It's fine for them. They can crack on. But this is just my perspective. Um, so I, this is what it means to me. What it means, being in charge of my body and actually showing a decent-looking body of work, a body that looks healthy, um, in my opinion of what healthy is, so lean, trim. And I'm not talking... 10% body fat, 8% body fat. I'm talking like somewhere between 10 to 15 year round. I think for me, that makes me comfortable in showing off a body which is taken care of, showing some pride in myself. And I think that's important. Um, so yeah, that, I wanted to sort of talk a bit about that because I think it's, it's important to push against. Well, no, I'm not going to say that. I'm not, because I don't, I'm not sure, sure how true that is. I don't really give a crap about pushing against anything. Because I'm not on a, I'm not on a crusade against anyone or anything. I'm just talking about what I think is what's my opinion on my physique, what it represents to me, and that kind of thing. So, yeah, I think it's just important to speak your mind. So this is that's how I feel about it. And if you know, and there there are probably people out there who can relate. Uh, and who probably also don't support the the Hayes movement as well. This, this is this is all turning into a Faz versus Hayes, isn't it? It's not really the intention of this episode, but um, I guess what I wanted to talk about is just why I'm why I'm doing this, what it represents to me. So I'll be hitting forty in about twelve weeks, and I want to do a relatively short, sharp three month cleanup um, where I'm pushing some leanness, possibly leanness that I've not had over the course of the last two or three years since my contest. Obviously, the pandemic has put a damper on things, but now things are opening up again. Um, I feel like it's a good time, and 12 weeks is a decent time period to really hit it hard while, while not getting too burnt out. So I've had relatively freely up until now, so I'm pretty good. Now, in terms of um, what approach am I going to use? So I've dieted quite a lot over the last probably year and a half. So um, 
at the beginning of the pandemic, I decided to drop some weight and I weighed about 95, 96 kilos at the time. Now, since then, I've dropped down to 80 and currently I'm about 86 in the mornings. So I've taken off about 10 kilos and it's, it's stayed off, you know, and I, I, right now I'm pretty well fed. So I'm, I'm anywhere between 84 to 86. So I've kept off 22 pounds. So obviously the dieting has worked. Um, you know, my methods have worked. So not many people can sort of take off 22 to 32 pounds and then keep it off. So I'm happy that it's worked. I'm confident that it's worked, but some things have worked better than others. And that's kind of what I'm going to base this diet on. So in general, when I diet, I diet fairly hard and fast. And I've personally, I've always done it. I've always dieted hard and fast. I've always preferred fast cuts to slow cuts. And um, the one exception to that was when I did the contest prep a few years back. Um, and that was done under the guidance of um, a couple of coaches. Um, in hindsight, there were a few things which I feel like I could have done differently um, on that approach. And I think my approach has been, it's been a lot easier to get down to equivalent body weights and leanness um, with my approach with far less hassle. Um, it's, it's a funny one because like when I, let me, let me sort of talk through what this approach is. Essentially, I'm looking at eating, um, yeah, very, just a very, very low amounts. Uh, very low, very low calories. Um, trying to keep the amounts actually quite high, so like lots of vegetables, meat sources, stuff that I like, um, lots of fat-free dairy, that kind of stuff. Like Greek yogurt is also very good. Small amounts of fruit. So um, that's what I've referred to as my fastest fat loss method. Um, so it's a relatively and protein powders are also quite useful as well. But um, the defining factor is keeping the calories relatively low. Now. I've delved headlong into the research behind why this works. So about, um, so I, as I say, I've always dieted this way. So when I did my initial transformations, it was basically done like this. It was just as low as you can go for as long as you can go. And the reason that I gravitated towards that, and possibly the reason I gravitated towards fasting methods as well, is because past a certain point, they actually reduce your appetite. Because that's what we're talking about. Like that's why I do what I do is, it's down to appetite. <laughs> Basically, a lot of people think, you know, if you're going to reduce your calories down to say 1200, you're going to be absolutely starving, you know, and you just, it's just like a battle of willpower all day, but it's not actually like, I don't want to set up my day as a battle of wills. And that's, it's honestly what people think. I mean, I had this conversation with a client of mine who I, who I told I'd done a, a relatively extended fast where I was doing this type of thing. I was just doing protein and some vegetables and, and he said i can't i don't know how you do it i wouldn't have the willpower i'm like it's you know and um i didn't really have the time to explain to him because we were talking more about him and less about me uh but i wanted to say to him look it's actually easier for me to do it this way and in my experience when you get to a certain point appetite does tend to shut off and i've seen that happen in pretty much everyone that i've worked with and so I was talking about the history of my dieting, how what I do with this. So I've pretty much always dieted like this, like going back to my initial transformation, like five, six, seven years ago, whenever it was. Whenever I wanted to diet, I, I, I gravitated towards this. And the reason I gravitate towards it is because of appetite. Oops, excuse me. Burp. 
lots of coffee in the morning. Um, <laughs> coffee burps, geez. So yeah, the reason I gravitate towards it is because of the the fact that this gives me um, greater appetite control. I'm actually looking down at my on my notes. I actually wrote notes for this. How organized am I? Because I had some random thoughts just swirling around, and I've got loads of stuff written down that I want to talk about over the next twelve weeks for you guys. I, I'm aiming to do to release probably one podcast on this per week just to let you know what I'm doing. Some of it will be, some parts of the episodes will be information, other parts will be updates on me and how I'm doing. So anyway, that's the history of the diet. Now, the other part of the history of the diet is that I never did this with clients, never. And this goes back to a little bit, this is what makes the conversation about Hayes relevant. I never did it because I was under the sort of, Fear, I guess, is probably the, the maybe the way to put it. The fear, the peer pressure, that talking about um, really, you know, um, hard deficits, really harsh deficits, was actually irresponsible. That was the impression that I had from the people that I was getting diet information from at the time. Um, and in hindsight, I don't think those people were right. In fact, no, I know they weren't right. <clears throat> they were contextually right, but they were framing it as being right all the time so they framed it as say yeah if you just eat um hot you know very low calories you're gonna get an eating disorder if you eat from a very limited food menu you're gonna get an eating disorder and and you know it's not like i'm exaggerating that's exactly what they said um and so it's just incredibly naive to think that because but at the time i i kind of held them up as you know paragons of dietary knowledge but uh having had more experience and being i guess it's not even experience it's like trusting myself more i've realized they were just wrong and it was actually quite it's and it's you know what it's not even just safe advice it's not even like well let's just be safe because it has other consequences as well as i'll I'll talk about when i talk about my contest prep and, and how i felt that could have been improved and what i've done better since so well no no you know what? i'll talk about it now since, I'm, since we're talking. Um, so I got down to similar levels of body weight and body leanness, basically on zero cardio <laughs> and off very, very stress-free. Kept my sexual, kept my, my sex drive, you know, all that kind of stuff. Whereas previously when I did the contest, I was up to about three hours of cardio a day. That's a hell of a lot. Three hours of cardio a day. Um, and my sex drive was shot. Uh, my mood was shot. Um, I was I had like an overuse injury in my leg, my IT band, all so that I could eat 1,800 calories and apparently not metabolically damage my body or whatever the bullshit or or not develop an eating disorder. So that was the logic that these people have. It's like, yeah, eat this amount so you can eat enough carbs and eat enough volume uh, or eat enough calories because the volume discussion wasn't there, but eat enough calories so that you can eat. 1800 calories, but do three hours of cardio and just overdose yourself with caffeine to the point where you're a nervous wreck and develop overuse injuries in your IT band. Also, that I can say that, yeah, my client is still eating 1800 calories. Not I can say it, but like my previous you know, coaches. Um, and I, I truly believe they think they thought they were doing the right thing because I'm sure they did, but it's a really short sighted approach because if you have to, like, rather than rather than mandating those extra like 200 grams of carbs from like rice or potatoes or 
or whatever, or just whatever, just rather than mandating those 200 grams of carbs, why not just drop them and do less cardio? Like, because literally all the cardio is doing is burning off those calories. All the caffeine is doing is inducing appetite suppression, um, which you would have got anyway by reducing your calories down to 1100, 1200, and then keep protein where it is to retain muscle. Um, and then, yeah, not to cardio. And I, I felt I burnt a lot of uh, muscle off from doing all that cardio as well. And I definitely developed an overuse injury. So it just doesn't make any sense. Like, why eat that extra 600 calories just so you can say, yes, we're on 1800 calories? But underneath that 1800 figure is like three hours of cardio, an unhealthy amount of caffeine, <laughs> and, 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 and injuries. Um, that's why it's not a safe option to say, yeah, well, just don't quit your calories that low. It's not safe to do that because there are better ways of doing it. So I've, and I've demonstrated that because I've been in similar condition far easier without doing such extreme amounts of cardio, in fact, doing zero cardio. Um, and, I, and nowadays when I diet like that, I don't actually, I try to actively not have much caffeine simply because I don't want to be wired all day. I want to be as relaxed as possible because when you're on low calories, there is a certain degree of being wired anyway, and I don't want to overly promote that. So that's kind of, in a nutshell, the whys. And I will, I will explore that more in later episodes. I, mean, I, I, was, I hadn't actually planned to go into, off into that tangent on this episode, but at least we've covered it, and it'll give you guys a bit more of a perspective. Like the balance between... Um, energy expenditure via cardio and activity and all that kind of stuff versus diet you know you can it's just a lot easier and a lot less stressful to cut food um i'm not saying you, you can't do both but i'm just saying like to get into the type of condition that i wanted to get into to that excessive amount of cardio um yeah it's just it's just really not the it's just not a sensible strategy just so you can eat what you deem to be a quote-unquote safe amount of food so that you're safe from like eating disorders and, and whatever else. I mean, it's just a very misguided approach. It's just, and I, I've come to realize it's just very wrong, certainly very wrong for me. So anyway, um, yeah. So we were talking about, <laughs> before I went off on this massive tangent, we were talking about the main benefit being appetite suppression. And I think that that is the main benefit for me. Once I get down to, lowish calories and i'm not actually tracking calories i haven't tracked calories for like 18 months or so but once i get to a certain level of calories i just stop um being hungry and so that certain level for me if oops just dropped my phone which has my notes on it um once you get down to a certain amount of calories which for me is about 1200 or so um my appetite just tends to go now, if I'm on 1,600 to 1,800 calories, my appetite is pretty strong still, um, assuming a maintenance of, I don't know, 3,000 or so. So, yeah, I mean, at those, at those levels, um, yeah, at those levels, so you, the sort of 1,600 to 2,500 calorie levels, I'm still very, very hungry. And the longer I'm there, the more hungry I am. Now, initially, when I dropped down to, say, 10,000, 11,000 calories, hunger can be it depends it can be hard it cannot it depends on what the body's doing at the time it's not always guaranteed like sometimes it's just a relief from higher calories and you go down and you, you feel fine you feel much better other times um it's a, it's a struggle 
and you know you'll hit those cards. And I don't know which it's going to be on Monday. I really don't. So um, we shall see. You know, but that's just the way it is. Once you drop to those carries, so if you do try this, if you're at home and you're thinking, you know what, actually, Faz is making a strong case here, and uh, it's worth experimenting with. And okay, you know, fine, like try it. Just be wary that your first few days it, it may or may not be extremely difficult. Uh, it may be very easy, um, but almost certainly with almost everyone, the majority of people, I can confidently say the majority of people that I've worked with over the last year who I've had on a similar diet have encountered the lack of appetite, the appetite reduction effects within about a week, at least. Yeah, maybe something like three to four days for most people. So if you can just push through for a few days, your appetite pretty much dies. You don't have that incessant, just must have food all the time. You know that feeling where it's sort of like, I've got to eat just all the time, even though I'm not hungry. I'm just eating to stay on the level. Um, you know, that that goes away. And that's really quite nice. Now, if we look at the studies on this, so that, that's my experience on it. So anecdotally speaking, the majority of people who I've put on this approach have all fared very, very well. Now, for those who haven't, I think it's been more of a psychological thing. They have those feelings of deprivation. Like they feel deprived so they feel like okay i'm in this diet i've hardly anything and it really plays on their minds and I, I think it's a psychological thing one of my clients um tried a fasting approach um about a couple of years ago and by midday he just freaked himself out completely and he he's a guy who who has his issues with food uh, which we which we later found out um and so at the time it was a bit of an experiment and yeah he just flipped out to be fair in hindsight thinking about it now that should have been an early warning sign for me that he probably does have some food issues but he just wasn't able to cope with a fast of even what was four hours <laughs> I mean, i'm sure he's gone four hours without eating before but he because he knew he was on a fast he just blipped himself out he just freaked himself out people say things like oh my blood sugars and you know they're like 50 pounds overweight and you don't want to be mean and say to him yeah well, look you know you're not really in any danger of like you've got enough fuels to last, to last you you don't want to be mean and say that but it's it's true um and they but this it's a mental thing they just sort of freak themselves out so the, the very few cases that i've had of people who haven't responded well to something like this it's generally been down to just freaking themselves out they just they they feel deprived even though they're not and then they they end up just talking themselves out of it really so i've got to eat something otherwise i'm going to be faint which is really strange if you think about it it's like the being so addicted to food and and being so to have such a strong physical reaction to something as simple as not eating for a few hours is it, it's worrying in a way i would i would um if that were me i would question it you know i'd, I'd question it so anyway, um, that's been my anecdotal experience. The vast majority of people have responded well to it. It's generally the, my preferred way of doing things. Um, and if you're, if you're sat there and you're a bit sort of confused about the exact details, um, I will go into it more often, but more um, over the next sort of 12 weeks. And I'll talk you through what I'm buying from the shops and what I'm eating and all that kind of stuff. And to be fair, it's not going to be that different from what I currently eat, which is a lot of vegetables and meat. So it's just going to be smaller portions basically to the point where my appetite gets shut off that's i keep saying it and 
if you've never tried it, you've probably sat there in disbelief going, yeah, this doesn't make any sense. How do you eat less and less, then get more hungry, then at a certain point, your appetite shuts off. Well, it does happen. So that's, I can't really explain why, and I'm not sure anyone can. I don't think we have a good explanation for it. But the next thing I want to talk about is uh, the studies. So what do the studies actually show? And um, the studies are unanimously in support of this idea that if you do drop the calories down to really, really low levels, and in the studies, of, of, of they, they have things that have a VLCD and an LCD. So a VLCD is anything up to 800 calories, and an LCD is anything up to 1,200 calories. And if you're wondering what those mean, it's very unimaginably a very low-calorie diet, VLCD, very low-calorie diet, where LCD is, take your guesses, a low-calorie diet. <laughs> so what they found is, and this is looking at, these are sort of randomized control trials looking at hundreds of thousands of people over the course of literally decades of this research. has gone back, back to the 80s, 70s, and possibly before then. But the earliest studies that I've seen on this have been, have been the 70s. And um, what they found is that almost unanimously, they see greater and greater feelings of not only lack of appetite, but of fullness, of actual fullness at the 800 calorie level. So people are going away in these studies and they're, they're reporting that they're more full, not just less hungry, but more full. It's two different things in the research. So they're less hungry and they feel more full with the food they do eat on 800 calories than on 1200 calories and than on like a regular amount of calories, like 2000 or something like that. So the lower they go to a point, they are just getting less and less hungry, getting more and more appetite reduction. So yeah, that is, that is quite interesting. So, and that, so when you, when you get these, sort of people on online who all talk about, yeah, well, you should do that because you're going to go, you know, you're going to, I don't know, you're going to shut off your metabolism, you're going to go into starvation mode or any other such stupid nonsense, or, or you're going to binge and you're going to rebound and all that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, you'll rebound if you do it like an idiot, um, but it's not a guaranteed thing that's going to happen. Like, you're not going to definitely rebound. There are ways of managing that and setting up the diet so you don't rebound. A lot of it is this psychological thing. Like it's a lot of it psychological. Do you, can you cope with being a lower body weight? Can you cope with being a level of leanness, which is unusual to you? Um, can you visualize that and, and visualize yourself at that body weight? Do you think you were deprived and do you feel like you've got to eat it up? Is, do you have that draw? Um, some of it is physical. You have things like leptin levels and all that kind of stuff. But, but all of these all this research, all this data does show, does point to this idea that we get less hungry and we actually have greater long-term results and long-term outcomes with at least starting a diet with very, very low calories. So you can, if there's such a thing as a set point, you can be close to, closer to permanently altering it with a very low calorie diet than you would with a regular diet. And that is what the research shows, what it backs up. So. For all those people who, who want to say you know, to you, okay, hey, this is going to cause a rebound, it's going to cause a binge, you're going to gain it all back. Well, ask them, where's your data? Where's the data? Because there isn't data there which supports that. Or to all these people, uh, like the people I used to get my information from, is it, you know, uh, this is going to cause an eating disorder. Well, it's not actually at all. 
Again, that again, show me the data which supports that very low calorie diets cause eating disorders. It's not. It's down. It's it's down to other things. It's, a lot of it is down to your preponderance, your predisposition towards eating disorders, your perception of what's going on. Um, eating disorders are large, largely due to genetics and perception for sure. Um, feelings of deprivation are can be damaging. But if you don't feel deprived, if you feel like this is something you actually have the opportunity to do and um, you want to do, then it's, it, it usually has a different outcome. So, yeah, in regards to the studies, the bottom line is there. Um, two things. One, they show greater feelings of um, fullness, more appetite reduction, the lower you go in calories up to about 800 to 600 to 800. Um, and they show better long-term outcomes. So you're more likely to keep the weight off long-term if you just drop your calories down low for the fat loss phase. And no one's saying you're just low forever. Like after you finish the diet, then you go back to maintenance. Like it's fine. So what I look, the way that I see fat loss now is it's more of a staircase down than like a, you know, elevator. Not, well, not elevator, a, you know, an escalator. Um, it's, yeah, it's more of a staircase down. Like you drop down real fast, then you maintain for a while, drop down real fast, maintain for a while, drop down real fast, maintain for a while. Ideally, the dropping down should be done really fast to the point where you get to your ideal body weight and then you just sort of maintain around about there, roughly the same condition, you know, basically forever. And I've done this with clients and it works tremendously well as long as they're disciplined. They don't, you know, if you set up the diet correctly, you're not going to lose a great deal of muscle mass. Um, and then you're going to be happy with your body on the way down. Your metabolism should be pretty good. Uh, that doesn't, it, you know, as long as you give it some time to catch back up again, because there will be some down regulation from the diet. As long as you give it some time to catch back up again and don't overeat during that period, then you can build your your metabolism back up to a normal point. I'm not saying it's going to be built up to like a ridiculous amount, but you can build it back to a normal point, a livable point, and then just live there. That in between sort of period where you're just reestablishing your maintenance, um, that can be quite tricky. And that's usually where people screw it up. But if you can navigate that all right, and um, then that's then you're good. I mean, that that is the point where people do tend to screw it up. And I think this is one of those where if you think this sounds good, but you think the prospect of you know rebounding and all that kind of stuff and doing it right sounds quite daunting, then just hire a competent coach. Like, you know, hire a competent coach with experience in doing this, like I do. Um, you can message me back on any of these channels. And, you know, I can talk you through it. And I usually do this kind of thing where I talk people through it over, say, the course of, I don't know, three to four months. And in that time period, you can lose a tremendous amount of weight. Like you can be summer ready in that time period, which is what I'm planning on doing, essentially, is being summer ready. Because my birthday is at the start of July, and that's when I want to be ready for. And that means I'll be nice and lean for the summer. So, if you feel like you want somebody to sort of guide you on this, like, okay, well, what, all the details, the minutiae, the week by week holding your hand and all that kind of stuff, then yeah, uh, feel free to contact me. I mean, I'm at um, faz at fazlifts.co.uk or just reply back to this wherever you're listening. You know, ideally, like, well, get me on my Instagram. It's probably the best way or Instagram's, you know, fazlifts. Get me through there or whatever. But anyway, just, yeah, if that's, what you think you would help with. So I was saying, I think now uh, fat loss is more of a staircase 
So like a step down, then go across, maintain, step down, lose weight, go across, maintain. And this kind of points to, I wrote something up a while back and it was my helicopter analogy of fat loss, which is that when you're at the beginning stages, you just go down really, really fast. And then once you encounter some turbulence, that's when you slow it down. And I often find people do encounter some turbulence and they'll be, they'll, once they get, once they've lost about 30 pounds or so, they'll encounter some sort of turbulence. Now, it tends to be a weird combination. I find a lot of it is still quite psychological. And it can translate to sort of like lower levels of meat. So people start moving around less. But as long as you account for meat, no metabolic adaptation um, can really undo um, just a massive caloric deficit. So that's, yeah, one of the reasons it works so well. All right. So you know what? I'm going to... I'm actually going to wrap this up here. I've got a ton of stuff that I want to talk about. I want to talk about like who this is not for, where it goes wrong. Um, I want to address starvation mode as well because people still believe in the starvation mode theory. Like, okay, if you if you're not losing weight, then just you're eating too little. <laughs> it's just moronic. People actually believe in that. It is amazing. So I want to address all these things. Um, I shouldn't say it's moronic, but. People that genuinely believe in these things, but um, I won't. Yeah, I won't say that. But <laughs> I've said it already. <laughs> but but um, I won't repeat it. <laughs> but um, I do want to help people with this and help people through this and sort of see if they can relate to what I'm saying. See if they want to go along with the journey and, and give it a try themselves as well. But I will be anyway. So I'll be starting with this on Monday. I will release this probably on the weekend, and I'll aim to release about one per week. I've got loads of topics to talk about and I'll probably record them once a week as well. So don't expect to see any big, huge production um, endeavors on this because I want to try and make it sustainable for me. So I want to make it fun. I'm pretty much going to record this and put it up. Um, probably going to timestamp it as well. Um, yeah. So, right. Um, if you are listening to this on... Uh, yeah, iTunes or SoundCloud, go ahead, give me a review. If you listen to this on YouTube, um, yeah, hit like, subscribe, share as well. I know people don't like sharing stuff. Um, I don't know why, but it'd be really nice if people actually shared some, you know, um, podcast episodes. It would mean a lot to me. And as I say, it, it helps to get the message out there. If you like it, that's great. But um, rather than DMing me, um, I even had some guy text if you know me <laughs> he, he text messaged me as well like whatsapp me he said oh, i really like the podcast and and uh, he asked for some advice and well I, I mean i'm happy to give that advice but he texted me and i just wish he'd put it in as a review instead rather than as a text message because basically only i'll see that and it's a really douchey thing to do so then screenshot that text and put it up on your instagram um see it would be a lot more for the business if i just got some reviews good five-star reviews um, and some subscribes and shares and likes on the YouTube, which I'm trying to do more stuff on as well. So, yes, I'll leave you with that. Uh, I'll leave it there, and I'll pop this up. Uh, let me know what you think, and I will be doing one of these every week. I will start the diet on Monday. All right.